I'm Mr. Marvel, and it's my job to catch you up on all the things going on in the MCU. So settle in, and let's not waste another minute. Welcome to episode number eight. Today we will be breaking down Disney Plus's Moon Knight episode three, The Friendly Type. But before we dive into this episode, I must warn you that this will be full of spoilers. There's that recap I love so much, but this time we get a nice recap from both episode one and two. If they stick to this pattern, you could probably just watch episode number six and just fill in the gaps. Now, in no way am I recommending to do that because by far, this is my favorite Disney Plus Marvel TV series so far. This opening scene is amazing. I mean, we get a blurred out image of Layla only for her to come into focus and then we get a camera flash. This really gives me a feel of being part of the scene and not just watching a TV show. Now we see that Layla is getting a fake passport made so she can go home as she has been gone for 10 years. Layla definitely knows her way around this shop, and this lady seems to know Layla as well. Now, she does say to Layla, what would your father think about his little scarab now? This gives us a nice little comic book tie-in as Dr. Aluron, which I can only assume is Layla's father, as her character is basically that of Marlene Aluron from the comics. Well, either way, Dr. Aluron would call his daughter Little Scarab in the comic book. A detail so small as this only makes me think we could get an appearance from Bushman in the coming episodes. As not only did Bushman kill Marlene's father in the comic book, he also was the one that left Mark Spector for dead in the desert which gives us the origin story of Moon Knight. Now, I don't want to get into this as I feel that Marvel will touch on this before this six-part series is over. My biggest takeaway from this opening scene is this fake passport, really making me think that Mark Spector's passport could have easily been a fake as well. But that's not it. If you look closely at Layla's fake passport, you will clearly see the birthday. If you focus in on the year she was born, which was 1994, this was the year when Moon Knight issue number 60 was released. Now, this was the final issue. Could this be a hint that as we are halfway through the series, it's already coming to an end? This now brings us to the title card, and boy does this music really match up perfectly with it. Definitely enjoying this one a lot. Arthur and his followers have found Amit. I wonder what the time jump here is. I'm thinking at least a week or two from where we last saw Arthur. We get a great interaction between Arthur and, that's right, Billy and Bobby, the two agents from episode two that basically abducted Stephen with a V. We do find out that Arthur's cult group has spotted Mark Spector, but Arthur is not phased at all by this as he is more focused on Amit's tomb. We quickly get a transition to Mark. Well, is this Mark chasing after a group of guys 
across the rooftops in Cairo. This gives us yet again some great cinematography as during this entire fight scene, we keep getting shots of Steven talking to Mark between every reflective surface we come across. Did you notice that just about every time Mark goes to punch one of these guys with his closed fist, it opens and then becomes more of a slap? Well, it looks like Steven is probably a little stronger than we expected. Here's where it gets tricky. Mark wakes up in the back of a cab, just like Steven woke up in the cupcake van. I guess waking up probably isn't the right word. Maybe gain control of the body. Either way, with Mark now in control of the body, he finds himself in a cab headed to the airport. Two things really stood out to me in this scene. The fact that we are in a yellow cab has to be a nod and subtle way to introduce us to Jake Lockley, as in the comics, he was a cab driver. You would have easily missed this tie-in if you have never read the comics. As we now can clearly guess, the more violent and murderous persona is clearly Jake. Or maybe Marvel will give him a new name and backstory like we've gotten for everyone else. Did you also catch the music playing in the cab? If you didn't, not a problem. It is the same opening music that we got during the title card. I thought that was a nice way to tie it all together. Apparently, when Mark gets out of the cab, he runs right back into the same guys he was just fighting with. Well, the ones that Steven let go. Now, I just find this extremely unlikely, but with a nice Indiana Jones vibe chase scene through the market, Mark catches up to one of these guys, and while he is giving him a nice little beating, we see Steven reaching out to Mark in the mirror, telling him to stop it. With Mark now distracted, he gets knocked out. We do get that persona switching sound effect that was ever so present in episode one, then a quick transition to Mark covered in blood and his knife lodged inside a body with another dead body behind him. If this isn't our third persona, then I give up because this is exactly like episode one, but rather than Steven to Mark, it's now Mark to our mystery persona. Now make sure you are following us on Instagram at Mr. Marvel's Minutes as we put out daily polls, questions, and news. Tomorrow, we will be looking to see who you think will show up in episode number four. All right, back to this breakdown. Conchu is a devious little pigeon here as he tells Mark to take the remaining guy alive to the edge of the cliff. Now, you can see Mark's pushback as he isn't this sadistic killer, but within seconds of hanging off the cliff, we get a proud praise Amit, then this guy cuts off his scarf, falling to his death. This is really giving me some Hydra vibes from all these Amit followers, as they would rather die than give up any information. They also seem to be hidden all over the world, and as we saw with Billy and Bobby, 
places of power and authority. Kanchu comes up with a way to have the Inyed help, but warns Mark that it could mean the end of their bond, and that means no more protection of the healing armor and imprisonment for Kanchu. Now, clearly, this was some major foreshadowing, and we will get to that soon. Kanchu does send the gods a signal by creating a solar eclipse. Now, something like this surely gets put on the radar of the Avengers. I mean, it at least catches the attention of Arthur, and he now knows exactly what is about to happen. Mark gets his portal to speak with the Enyid, and Stephen is just super excited and geeking out to be inside the Pyramid of Giza. Well, the Enyid shows up, or I guess this is the Weekend crew, because we only get five out of the nine members. I am most likely going to butcher these names, but we did have Horus, Isis, Tefnu, Osiris, and Hattor show up. Now remember, this is the MCU's Enyad and not the ancient Egyptian Enyad that you might have learned about in world history. Now, we know that these gods already have it in for Khonshu, as the last time they spoke, he was banished. But they give him a chance to speak and even call forth the accused, Arthur Harrow. Arthur denies all of these accusations, and that's that. Arthur is free to go. No investigation, nothing. That Arthur is a smooth talking cult leader. Now, I mean, Twitter and Reddit have been going at this all week, and it just doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't one of these gods or all of them go back through the portal with Arthur to see what he is doing? Also, why did he leave his cane behind? It seems like he walks just fine without it. Well, that's because it would have made him guilty of all these accusations, but we do have three episodes left for the Inyad to fix this. The Inyad does threaten Kanchu that if he messes with the skies again, they will imprison him in stone. Now, as everyone is leaving, we get Yatsil, the avatar of Hator, speaking secretly to Mark Spector. She does point Mark in the direction of Sinfu's sarcophagus, which contains the location of Amit's tomb, as he was the only one entrusted to hide Amit's tomb. Now, this is clearly our only and last chance to stop Arthur before he resurrects Amit. As Mark is now on a new mission to find Sinfu's sarcophagus, we clearly have our third persona back at it as who we assume is Mark asking this street vendor about Sinfu, look at how he is standing and his accent is totally different. It sounds more New Yorkish, like that of a cab driver. Even as this street vendor turns his back on Mark, you can see the anger from this third persona's eyes and we are definitely about to get another murderous scene right here. Wait, Layla? Not only was Mark, Jake, or whoever they are going to spin this persona off to be, I myself was even caught off guard here. I mean, what are the odds 
of Layla running into Mark in Egypt and in this crowded market. Well, other than it's a TV show and everything is scripted, we do have to assume that we did get Mark back in control of the body before we get to this boat ride scene to Anton Mogart's compound, as Layla has found out that he has the sarcophagus of Sinfu. It's nice to really see the love between Layla and Mark here, as she wishes Mark would have told her about the persona of Stephen. But something here really gets me thinking, as Mark said, he's had it under control until recently, but something happened. I do really hope we get a nice flashback or an explanation as to what happened. We do get an introduction to Beck here, who is Anton Mogart's bodyguard, which could be a reference to Karish Beck, who was a minor villain from Moon Knight number 18 from 1982, who was a skilled assassin that fought with glass knives filled with a corrosive acid. But he wasn't that skilled as during a fight against Moon Knight, he fell on his own arsenal of knives, which led them to break underneath him and he died. We also get a mention of Madripoor. If you remember from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we got to visit this place where we were introduced to the Power Broker. Now, could this be a hint that Sharon Carter will possibly make an appearance? Or even better, could we get an introduction to Patch, aka Wolverine? Either option would be awesome. And here is our first introduction to Anton Mogart, played by the late, great Gaspard Ulili, who passed away earlier this year in a skiing accident. You know, we always lose the great ones way too early. But Anton Mogart, a.k.a. Midnight Man, is a master art thief who only strikes at midnight, earning the reputation of Midnight Man. Mark does call him a Joker as he would be compared to Batman's Joker in the Moon Knight comics. We get another great reflection interaction scene here between both Mark and Steven when inspecting Sin Fu's sarcophagus. Now, Mark needs Steven's help to decode the star chart, but Steven does not want to help at all. Beck interrupts this investigation, and out of nowhere, Arthur shows up. He does tell Layla that there is a connection between Layla's father's death and Mark. With an Egyptian spell and the help of his purple glowing staff, Arthur turns the sarcophagus to basically dust and disappears just as quickly as he had arrived. And just like that, Mark transforms into Moon Knight and we get one of the most badass Batman-esque entrances. This leads into a most epic fight scene between Moon Knight and all of Anton's bodyguards. We even get a nice one-on-one -on -one fight between Layla and Beck. As the fight between Layla and Beck 
intensifies. I really feel like there is more to her character than Marvel is letting us believe. Now, during Moon Knight's most epic fight, Steven is not happy and is telling Mark to stop it and that he wants Mark to give him the body. Now, somehow Steven overpowers Mark and we get a nice transformation scene from Moon Knight over to Mr. Knight. Steven, now in control of the body as Mr. Knight, tries to call for a timeout, wanting to stop the fight. Now, instantly, he gets impaled by two spears. Steven drastically changes his mind and calls out for Mark to take the body back. We get another quick transition from Mr. Knight back to Moon Knight and getting impaled by yet another four spears. And if you remember at the beginning of this episode, Khonshu tells Mark what would he do without his self-healing armor. Well, he would not have come back from having six spears stuck through his body. During Layla's fight in the sarcophagus room, she pulls off her necklace, which clearly doubled as a weapon. She does kill Beck and comes to the aid of Mark, only to have Anton knock her to the ground, giving him an opportunity to turn back around and kill Layla. Moon Knight quickly comes to her and throws one of his Moonerangs, hitting Anton clean in the back. If you listen closely, as Anton gets hit and fades into the smoke or fog, whatever it is, you can clearly hear the clock strike midnight, and we see Kanchu standing on top of the clock, and clearly it's midnight. I feel like they did this as a nod to Midnight Man, and I do believe this will be the last time we see Anton Mogart in this series. We now find Layla and Mark headed off to the middle of the desert to decode Sinfu's star map to help them find Amit's tomb. As they are struggling to decode this star map, Layla tells Mark, we need Steven. And of course, Khonshu interrupts with, I summon the gods, you summon the worm. Knowing it's the only way, Mark gives Stephen control. Now, Stephen puts this puzzle together in a matter of seconds, and we get to see Layla and Stephen share a moment as they look at one another. I can tell right here that they truly have love for one another, and I think we could see something develop between them. With the star map now pieced together, they see a constellation, and Layla does try to scan it, but it does not work, as this was plotted 2,000 years ago. And without knowing what the sky looked like on that date, they are now no closer to finding the tomb than they were last week. But Kanchu chimes in yet again. I remember that night. 
I remember every night. Conchu does tell Steven that he can turn back the night sky, but it will come at a cost. Knowing that the gods will now imprison him in stone, he asks for Steven's help and for him to tell Mark to free him. With a quick Mr. Knight transformation, Conchu and Steven literally turn back the night sky. Now, everyone in the world can see this. I would say this will make for a Avengers level threat for sure. Now, I'm just speculating here, but we know the Inyad, being gods, have a connection to Thor. Could this give us a possibility of Thor making an appearance? Probably not, but you never know. As the gods are imprisoning Khonshu in stone, you see Steven losing his Mr. Knight powers and falling to the ground. With both Steven and Mark unresponsive to Layla's calls, I have a pretty good feeling Jake Lockley will be the one that wakes up in episode four. This episode ends with Arthur having a little conversation with the now stone figure of Kanchu, letting him know how grateful he is to have been Kanchu's avatar and that his victory of releasing Amit is owed to Kanchu. Yet again, Marvel gave us another great episode of Moon Knight, and it leaves me wanting so much more. Well, this wraps up our breakdown on Disney Plus's Moon Knight Episode 3. Now it's time for some of the news and rumors going on in the MCU. Now, if you are following us on social media, you probably fell for our QR code trick, and I'd like to thank the Earth 894 podcast for giving me this idea as they did it back during episode two. As we did not get our normal QR code Easter egg in episode three, I decided to give you a fake one that if you did scan it, you would have been directed to my personal link page. So I do hope you enjoyed this little bit of fun. One thing that's really been standing out to me every episode. Have you noticed the end when we get a different skyline and a moon? Now, you probably didn't notice this, but you might have missed the moon is actually getting fuller at each end credit scene. And I believe we are on track to end episode six with a full moon. It also looks like Moon Knight, along with Hawkeye, will not be getting a second season. Now, this doesn't mean it will be the last time we see Moon Knight, as he could make an appearance in just about anything. I do hope we get him in Disney Plus's Halloween special, and hopefully we will get a Midnight Suns series or movie. We could also see Moon Knight reappear in the upcoming Blade or Black Knight movies, as the series may be coming to an end. The character is not going away anytime soon. Now, this could be just 100% rumor, but there is talk that Cassie Lang 
Ant-Man's daughter, will be the superhero to defeat Kang in Ant-Man 3. Then taking over the Ant-Man role for the MCU's future. It also looks like we could get the long-awaited Thor Love and Thunder trailer this week. But the big rumor suggests that it would not be revealed until after the premiere of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, making it an in-credit scene. If you are enjoying our podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating on whichever platform you are using and feel free to share us with your friends and family so they can join in on all the fun too. As always, thanks for listening and make sure you are following us on all platforms. Just search at Mr. Marvel's Minutes and make sure you click that little bell so you'll get notified first when we release a new episode. Don't forget to catch us next weekend when we break down another spoiler-filled episode of Moon Knight. Mr. Marvel's Minutes is brought to you by Crafts by Spooky Blonde, where it's spooky, but with some pixie dust. Just search Etsy for Crafts by Spooky Blonde. You can also become a Patreon to help us keep the mic on.